Welcome to the LSE Events Podcast by the London School of Economics and Political Science. Get ready to hear from some of the most influential international figures in the social sciences. Hi everyone, welcome to this LSE Festival online session, How to Understand Digitalization and Change Management, a Socio-Technical Approach part of our Skills for a Fast Changing World series hosted by LSE Online. In this series, we invite LSE experts to discuss research trends in their field about professional skills we need for success. My name is Jeff and I am a Programme Manager in the LSE Online team. LSE Online makes LSE world-leading teaching and research accessible to a global audience. We provide a comprehensive portfolio of online programs to equip you and your organisation with the knowledge and skills to advance in an ever-changing world. Today's event was part of the LSC Festival People and Change, which is taking place all week and until Saturday the 17th of June. Exploring how change affects people and how people affects change. The event is being recorded and will hopefully be made available as a video or podcast subject to no technical difficulties. Whilst we wait for everyone to arrive, we would love to hear where in the world you're joining us from today. You can let us know in the chat section. Today, we are welcoming Dr. Emilio Lastro-Gill for our second LSE Festival online skill session. Dr. Emilio Lastro-Gill is currently teaching strategy and information systems at the LSE. He has also taught corporate and organizational strategy and business strategy in international and emerging markets. His main interests concern the relationship of ICT to organisational change and the role of ICT in socio-economic development. With 20 years practitioner experience, principally in the ICT industry, with special expertise in economic and financial modelling commercial infrastructure projects, he is currently working on a multi-billion UK energy infrastructure project. If you have any questions during the event you'd like to ask Emilio, please post your questions in the Q&A box. We will get to as many as we can towards the end of the event. I'm now going to hand over to Emilio. Thank you very much, Jeff. Um, it's been it's a pleasure to join you today in, in, in um in this presentation so i will walk you through the uh, my slides which i will share in a minute and um it's a very interesting subject and honestly i think is hopefully you will uh, have that uh, you will enjoy the presentation um it's based on a comparative uh, cases cases studies one in china and the other one in mexico uh, in particular in the in how um, people have been benefited by the use of the technology of ICT. Um, I hope to, I can convey all these the ideas to you. And um, hopefully 
this will trigger more research in this area. And that's one of my main uh, objective in this presentation to share with you these views, um, but also for me to uh, proceed in this particular area of research. But thank you. Um, we call, as Jeff said, how to understand uh, digitalization and change management as such a technical approach. And I will start this uh, uh, presentation today so just talking about the five properties of what is digital goods. There are five main characteristics. The first one is non-rival. When it's used by one agent, does not degrade its usefulness to any other agent. In, in the other one is expansible, which means when its quantity can be made arbitrarily large or arbitrarily quick at no cost at all, then we have is discrete or indivisible. So digital goods are also a special. A special means that they are both nowhere and everywhere at the same time. Just as any copy is the original for a digital good, so the communication of a digital good is its transportation and distribution. And the last characteristic is digital goods are recombinant. By this, I mean they are cumulative and emergent. Um, that is the key characteristics that we have for, in terms of um, a, what is a, what means I mean for a digital product or a digital item. However, what is important is about, let's start talking about change management. Um, ICT's innovation concourse with, uh, with and reinforces organizational change, either decided by management or improvise it at the workplace. This means that, you know, when you have an ICT or is implemented in the organization, it can trigger changes, but sometimes we don't know what these changes are going to be. And that is the beauty of um, uh, the I ICT. Um, we also discussed about techno change, which is techno changes for technology driven organizational change. We know, we learn uh, very often about transformation or IC transformation, but sometimes uh, there is an intended outcome or sometimes we don't know whether this is going to be a, a the deliberate outcome of uh, which is based on the strategy. Um, so now I want to bring the concept of social materiality. And that is because uh, when we see an application, when we see, let's say, WhatsApp or think um, any application that you, you're using, that is, has an impact in society. It's important to understand how this application, how that technology is going to change human beings. We're talking most recently, we're talking about artificial intelligence everywhere in the world. But in this, we, in this particular field of research, we are talking that sometimes the theory of technology, we have to think in a socio-technical environment, social materiality. That means that um, it's not a deterministic. I mean, you don't know when you apply a technology or you use it, we don't have a recipe A, B equals C. It's impossible. Um, um, social, but social material are inextricably linked. 
and people in different organizations may use the same new technology in different manners. Um, alongside neoclassical economic research, um, there are two main stream of um, theories that can be used to study uh, this area, which is institutional economic and new uh, economic sociology. What that means is that um, the core of math research is based in two main theories. The one is transaction cost theory, transaction cost economics. And on the other side, we have the social embeddedness. We are looking at a hybrid approach. Uh, on one side, we have transaction cost, which is the theory of reference based on a market firm and, and network. But on the other side, we have the complementarity, which is social embeddedness. Um, which look at the relationship, social connectivity, reciprocity, and trust. Where in transaction costs, we are considering on the rationality and opportunistic behavior. So, important here to say, like any other research, when you do, when we study ICTs, uh, in particular in developing countries and in other fields, we, it's important to look that context, because depending on the context, sometimes will be the outcome that we're going to get. And I'm not just, I went to the Oxford Dictionary and say, okay, what is context? It's basically the circumstances that form the setting of an event, uh, the statement or ideas uh, in terms of which it can be fully understood. So that setting, that particular environment is what is going to drive um, basically the outcome of uh, the what we or the change that we are expecting. Um, in this particular research that I will be presenting today, which is based on ICT in developing countries, there are three main discourses that have been uh, pretty much promoted. Uh, but when I say promoted is the outcome of research. Um, these three discourses have um, been uh, uh, well delivered by Professor Kishanti Abger, who says that um, one, there are three ways of seeing this research. One is when we transfer ICT and organizational practices from advanced economies and adapting them into the context of particular developing economies. Sometimes is a second approach could be IS innovation as a process embedded in local conditions for developing countries, which can be, for example, the case of China that we will be studying or we, I will be presenting in a minute. And the other one is a transformative intervention and associates it with aspirations and policies for socioeconomic development. Um, what is important is that ICT is delivering change. In rural areas, in developing countries are pretty much witnessing an impressive diffusion of ICT and its impact on agriculture is of great, great interest. In particular, because when we look at ICTs, we look at different areas, services, manufacturing, uh, and so on. But agriculture has been somehow left behind. Um, so, as I said earlier, um, 
lacks for the business in adoption of the virtual arms relationships. Um, so when we look at the context, we think ICT reduce search costs by uh, enabling better and affordable communication. We know that. Um, but also we see in many industries, like say Amazon, applications connect buyers and sellers. Um, in, a, in the context of agriculture, transactions through virtual bartering, trading, tendering platforms is possible, uh, but not in a great extent as we have it in Amazon, for example. Um, it's also possible to uh, uh, look at the traceability of goods and services. Uh, that is important here to say that what we learn from this research is that differences in entrepreneurial abilities ignore social habits and contextual is issues that influence sourcing decisions. For example, seek to connect farmers with the market rather than to each other. Um, is undoubtedly unlinked facilitate performance because firms can disperse their business among many competitors, uh, but also give you the opportunity to search pricing uh, and, and avoid that small number gaining situations that can interrupt that inefficient relationship, in particular in rural areas where there's a lot of isolation. When I say there's a lot of isolation, they are connected. But, um, and, and here we are. So let me introduce the case of uh, um, China. This is the emergence of um, Taobao, it's an e-commerce platform, which has been successful. And one of the issues, um, and this paper was uh, pretty much completed in 2016 and, and um, basically published in MIS quarterly. Um, one of the issues that China had in, and it's not specific of China, uh, for many developing countries, but in particular China for the large population, is that in rural um, under the underdevelopment is a top priority because has caused some social issues, migration from rural to urban areas. ICT e-commerce, which is in particular the technology that have been used uh, for accelerate development in this area can empower a marginalized community giving rise to a rural e-commerce ecosystem that can aid the self-development. The advantage of e-commerce is that allows for visibility and involvement, but ICT can, ICT can, can also allow sustainability of products. Um, so here we are, there are two villages which uh, um, were presented and where this study was uh, conducted. Uh, one which is Suichan and the other one called Xinjiang. Um, so these were areas where villages were quite relatively poor. Uh, in particular, Suichan, 70% of the population were farmers and they have not attended high school. Um, on the other side, Yin Yun, 92% of the populations work in the agricultural sector. Therefore, both uh, communities have a high proportion of uh, people working in the agricultural sector. Um, so 
The other one, the other characteristic they had is the uh, um, income per capita was quite low. As you can see, uh, less than uh, $400. And what is the, in terms of the products that they were offering in that platform for e-commerce, in the case of Switchham, the villages can sell agricultural produce such as bamboo, sweet potatoes, and so on, mainly agricultural products. On the other hand, Yingyong villages were able to sell uh, products that were manufactured, such as outdoor equipment, uh, backpacks, uh, sleeping bags, uh, and so on. And you see that the effect or the change is that ICT, in particular e-commerce, brought a, an increase in the revenues, and you can see here in, in this uh, slide. Um, in the case uh, of Sichan, where people were mainly depending based on agriculture, there was increase in revenues up to, uh, well, in that particular year, it was 2013, which um, this study was conducted, of, uh, 17 million and on the side when as you see there were uh, manufacturing products the revenues in that uh, for that year was 72.4 million so that is change change that brings more revenues more um and but also somehow uh people in those areas are more willing to stay because there's a there's a job for them to do in those uh, um, areas. And one important thing that uh, is important to address is that it's not, this is not something that can be done easily. In, in, I mean, you can implement it quick, you cannot implement it very quickly. It takes time because you need to, at least in this case, there was a network, there was an ecosystem that was created. And you can see here, um, summary, which is presented in the paper, um, where there are five different uh, categories of um, uh, actors. We have the grassroots uh, leaders, which are the villagers, uh, um, who initiate, lead, and shape the development of an ecosystem, uh, e-commerce ecosystem. Um, but also, these are those people who provide training. One of the key characteristics when we, you make change in or implement a new technology, people needs to get needs to be trained, and those were the grassroots leaders. Um, but we also had in the case of China, e-tailers, which are who are villagers sell products through e-commerce. Then the e-supply partners, which are those villagers who produce, supply, or distribute products that are sold in e-commerce. Um, the third party service providers who provide support, um, let's say taking photographies and, and helping, you know, to, to build the websites and so on that is needed. Um, but also the institutional support. And that is something very important in ICT for development. How is the institution supporting those individuals? Um, these are those who play a functional role in improving the infrastructure because it's not only just put the uh, platform it's not only internet you need to build roads you need to do everything to 
to ensure that you know that market is accessible to everyone and uh, for everyone um, uh, in the country. So this was a successful uh, implementation of e-commerce. Um, uh, rural communities were um, um, uh, empowered by ICT can become the driver of change. Communities can basically be self-sufficient if we give them the support, the platform, and then help them to, you know, based on the skills um, to build, you know, uh, how that, that those areas where they can be useful and they can contribute more or add value. Um, beside local leaders, there are a number of independent players involved in creating social change. And that means providing an inclusive view of a rural e-commerce ecosystem. Um, and so that is um, what I say that in ICT e-commerce can have different affordances for different actors in the evolution of the rural e-commerce ecosystem. Um, so, however, there's as usual, there's an intended effect. Um, they, there was a reoccurrence of out migration during rural e-commerce advancement. Those, uh, there were some villages where there was no sufficient area for warehousing products. Um, there are some people say, well, there's a limited, uh, limit, uh, um, e-commerce can help. But obviously, people have aspirations, people can go beyond what is a, uh, being created in that village, and then they go. Uh, that, that is possible. Um, also, uh, it's important to see you see something positive: people getting more revenues, but also the risk of environmental degradation to the rural landscape. And then, as uh, lacking any other relationship, the affected social relationships. Uh, I mean, intense competition in e-commerce. Everyone wants to, to get more revenues. And so on. So those community close relationships obviously were somehow affected by competition. Um, so this is the case of China, um, which has been somehow, somehow successful. Um, academics love it. But then I when I started my research in 2013, I used the case of Mexico. And I thought, well, perhaps there's something happened, something similar can apply uh, in, in the case of Mexico, which we know is a country, a large country next to United States. And then I said, well, because of the proximity to America, then uh, it's in America, but the proximity to United States can perhaps, you know, somehow, benefit the country. And then I started my research, which I completed in 2018. Um, what I see that the cases of Mexico, despite enabling impersonal market relationships, ICTs are still largely uh, subservient to the historically powerful and tradition community principles of family, kinship, social connectivity and trust. I think is Mexico is a country where I see that those social ties quite strong. Um, and here we are, farmers are somehow unable to fully exploit ICTs 
and find new distribution channels because they are embedded in existing business relationship. This is a case where social relationships are very important. And once you find the way or you know people and they help you to do, you know, particular transactions, you are pretty much attached to those relationships. And that, so, well, obviously not always, there's some very disruptive approach. When our ICT helps and e-commerce helps to do, you know, these transactions, in Mexico, at least during that period of my research, I didn't, or we didn't observe that a number of people using um, uh, um, e-commerce. Basically, there's another platform like a Taobao. There was completely, uh, people were trying to use ICT in an innovative manner. And I will give you some examples now. Um, I study, uh, like in the case of China, there are two villages uh, and so on. In Mexico, I went to two different counties, and after traveling the whole, well, uh, different part of the country, I selected those two um, areas. One, which uh, uh, where there is a, uh, there are banana producers, which is Tabasco, and not in the next state or next county is, uh, I found an organic rice producer. Um, on the left, which is um, that you have on your screen, is basically that business of banana uh, is a long, long, uh, basically well-established business, which started in the 19th century. There's a continuity and family traditions are very important in that area. Um, growers, uh, growers conduct transactions individually. They group through the banana associations, to be basically enabling better the use of technology, both formally and informally, to deal with export clients, track competitors, reduce hazards, mitigate opportunistic behaviors. That's the reason why they use the association of uh, banana producers. So I, when I visit that town, which is called Teapa in Tabasco, I found immediately that network. Um, some people sell the boxes, some people have a, a get delivered training. Um, it's a very well established, uh, you know, um, network uh, ecosystem. Everyone knows what to do, who, who, is, who is doing what, when, and so on. Um, and, 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 and that is an area where basically Taobao was around, will be fantastic because uh, everyone is a, the ecosystem is there. Hi, I'm interrupting this event to tell you about another awesome LSE podcast that we think you'd enjoy. LSE IQ asks social scientists and other experts to answer one intelligent question, like why do people believe in conspiracy theories? Or can we afford the super rich? Come check us out. Just search for LSE IQ wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the event. On the other side, we had a um, not far away, perhaps when I said not far away, 200 kilometers from, from that town, I found this organic rice producer. It's a, basically, it's a more radical and innovative business that has introduced novel cultivation techniques. Um, in this particular case, it's an entrepreneur who is basically using uh, uh, the ICTs. 
The social network in this case is more relevant as the grower must build a network outside the region. Facebook and YouTube um, are more relevant in the pursuit of new customers, especially the middle classes. Um, so here we are in case of the banana producers, this is a kind of pictures that we had, the term of uh, technologies, they have you know, smartphones, internet, they have internet, they have applications, uh, Facebook, WhatsApp, and so on. Um, however, important here to say, the mechanisms to reach new customers or distribution channels, uh, they prefer the face-to-face, they go to international fairs. And more recently, well, when I said 2016, 17, they were using freshplaza.com, which um, uh, uh, but only the few. Um, and you see here, and then uh, um, the, the when selling the bananas in the domestic market, which is over 120, pretty much 130 million people, um, they have a huge dependency of the wholesale market. Um, and then uh, if they go to the banana export, they have somehow use the, some applications, but when I say individual, in a, using in those in individualistic manner, not like Taobao, which is an e-commerce platform. And then you see that this, they tend to like to, uh, trade fairs, they have a broker, and then they go through the distribution. And so here is two different approaches, but there's not that massive uh, use of ICTs as I was expected. Important here to say that in this community, um, most of the uh, farmers that I talked to, um, they have completed at least an undergraduate. They have a master's, they have very well, you know, um, these are the middle, uh, belongs to the middle class, basically. Um, and yet, I didn't see that massive, uh, uh, you know, immersion of ICT. Um, they use it for basically continuing the existing relationships that they have built in the past for many years. They is that in the past they used to have landlines, but now they're using mobile phones, they're using WhatsApp and so on, but not in a consistent manner as an end-to-end e-commerce. And then on this side, we have this uh, uh, large um, farm with, uh, that produce uh, organic rice. Um, they have pretty much, uh, this is an entrepreneur, um, the same uh, pretty much uh, uh, applications that they use in the uh, for the banana producers. Um, but important here to say is that in this in this case, the they say the 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 owner of this farm basically is more active in uh, using applications. They have also established a long term relationship. With a high hip organic, which is which is a large large organization in Germany, um, and so on. But what I found is that in this particular case, there's a positive contribution of ICT, which has a direct impact in the um, co um, customer base, um, and also through um, because the 
this producer has a, a deep access to websites, online uh, courses, social media, but also in this case, there's not a group of farmers. It's one farmer basically so far, far away from the market and he's trying to use as much as he can ICTs. So what I found sadly in Mexico that agricultural business has lacked significantly in the updates and use of ICTs for strategic and operational purposes, at least mainly because of the greatest significance of personal relationship and face-to-face -face interactions. Um, as I said here, social modes and traditions have contributed to the incomplete adoption of ICT uh, by producers. So, one of the, so some of the conclusions that I have from this study is that um, my empirical evidence in Mexico shows that farmers idiosyncratic uh, individualistic approach to conducting transactions is assisted by sporadic community support. The community help and the community replace that those institutions. Family, friends basically provide support. I couldn't find the long-term cooperation that Powell in that used um, uh, which I will discuss in a minute, Powell based on transaction cost economics, discussed that it's important to have a long-term collaboration. Each farmer in, in, in case of Mexico is independent and follows an individualistic and opportunistic approach. What I found in what I read based on the case of China, there was a more community approach, people supporting, helping each other, having a platform, and the platform basically was that family. The, that, help you know to um the to um the individual to the individuals to sell the products um occasionally what i found in mexico farmers will work together to fulfill, fulfill purchase orders working as a team with community support especially when they need to defend themselves from external risk that is a very good you know community works there's an external issue hurricane or whatever the community come and together and they help each other. Once that particular uh, incident or externality goes, then everyone will continue working on their way. There are some instances, however, when farmers use middlemen that, and then participate on a hoc basis um, outside a long-standing arrangement. Well, they have basically follow habits, habits that you know, built in the past and then they carry on in that way. Um, I didn't find evidence of state policies effectively facilitating collaborative arrangement. What might be the case of China, where um, government uh, perhaps, um, in the case of Taobao, helping um, community, um, which is a com combined effort between government and a large uh, organization. Um, in the case of Mexico, everyone is dispersed. Everyone is, has their own uh, businesses put in, in that way. Culture and social institutions, which is family, uh, the cooperative associations facilitate the intermittent uh, cooperation. Um, economic actors rely on social connections and business relationships to work and tackle challenges together. 
learning from each other and collaborating to achieve competitive exchange. So basically, um, what I miss in this case, or what we miss in the case of Mexico, uh, the ecosystem that was formed by Taobao. Um, as Powell in 1919 uh, paper described collaboration or cooperation and its effective long-run engagement that is sustained with appropriate regulation. In the context of agriculture in a developing country, regulation is ineffective because of feeble state policies, that is the case of Mexico, and weak institutions and social relationships instead determine the easy with which transactions and economic collaborative arrangements are formed. So what are the lessons learned? In one country, both working together, um, but there's a rule, there's a strategy, um, and the strategy is to ensure or to reduce, uh, or trying to reduce the number of people migrating to the cities, which somehow has been achieved, not completely. Um, on the case, the case of Mexico, which there's no direction at all, no strategy, it's just here is ICTs, use it in the way that you want to use them. And um, the changes is basically benefit or the potential or socioeconomic impact is driven by entrepreneurs for those people who are using in a wisely manner. So that's it for me. Um, uh, any questions? Thank you very much, Emilia, for that. If you do have any questions, please use the uh, Q&A section or comment section in, on LinkedIn. We've got a couple of questions already. Um, so I'll, I'll begin. Anoush um, asked, uh, he mentioned, um, you mentioned organizations will use the same technology in different ways. So his question is, in context to enterprise technologies starting to integrate generative AI technology, where do you think the competitive advantage will come from when most organizations start to adopt the same technology? Is it in how they adapt to change and develop their change management strategy? Well, that's a very good question. Uh, I mean, uh, how this is going to, uh, the strategy is going to deliver, uh, you know, a change. Um, that is something that basically will, is still, <laughs> is still too early to say, um, because um, obviously I, uh, AI and some other areas still needs to be regulated, okay? Um, and, Regulation is coming. There's already a business case. Artificial intelligence has a business case. And we know that the business case is delivering revenues to large organizations. So basically, in the measure uh, or in the way that large organizations basically are using artificial intelligence, those will be those organizations will get benefits from those. What I see uh, in the case of agriculture, and that if AI is going to, which is needed in, 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 in rural areas, then I will see that large organizations or large companies, which are basically um, uh, existent at the moment, will take control 
of um, agriculture. So I will see a concentration of those companies driving uh, the, uh, um, the agricultural sector. I see that there will be, a, obviously this is my own my personal views, a decline of a small holder communities because land will be concentrated in the few hands, which already, this is already that problem, but will be, in this case, will be large organization taking artificial intelligence in order to um, deliver, you know, what at the moment is, but, you know, uh, in the hands of small holders, medium-sized farmers, and so on. That is the way that I see it uh, um, in, 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 the, in the case of uh, developing countries in rural areas, okay? Great, thank you. Um, another question, and this is from Diego. He says, um, from your experience, how did the socio-material approach help you understand the context in a way that other approaches wouldn't do? Likewise, did you find any challenges when using it to interpret your fieldwork data? Um, yes, I mean, uh, thank you, Diego. Um, um, yes, I think we're looking at the social materiality. What he's telling you is that you cannot use the, only the artifacts. You cannot use a deterministic approach of the technology saying, okay, if I use uh, e-commerce, uh, then, you know, they will drive uh, high revenues and, and so on. No, because uh, you need to have some other elements. You need to educate uh, individuals who are going to use it. But most importantly, every society, every community is different because you have, not everyone has the same capabilities. You need to have an inventory of what is, are the capabilities in that area. And then based on that, you know, either the living training or those individuals decide what the role, what is the role that they will use in those, uh, you know, um, in that ecosystem. Challenges that I have in my research, yes, because when I went, uh, in particular in the case of Mexico, when I went there, I saw, in, we're talking 2013, 20 to 2018, there was a boom of smartphones and so on. And we saw that it, everyone was going to be uh, in, in, in England or in, in some other countries, uh, they have used their uh, smartphones in one particular way. Um, and then I found that in the case of Mexico, they still, you know, using, uh, um, um, uh, actually Facebook was picking up and so on. So, uh, but people still using, despite having smartphones and all the technologies which we have in the UK, um, perhaps a bit of lag, but still is the same. What I found is that they were still happy to carry on face-to-face uh, -face, um, transactions. They want to keep those relationships that they have established for years. And that is the, the challenge. What we expect, you know, one particular application brings, uh, have to bring, or, or perhaps that was my challenge, thinking that was going to be a deterministic approach it is not a deterministic approach. It's a socio-technical approach because each, that technology is immersed in that society. And I found that in the case of Mexico, 
is where there's strong family, strong communities, long ties. That is what is somehow not people trust you if they have been uh, if you have proved that you are able to deliver for a number of years. So then that those particular things uh, makes a bit difficult for ICT to to deliver. I think is um, and again I saw that because. Mexico was next to the US. Uh, I mean, it was this was my bias, basically. It was going to be easy to, to, to implement it. It wasn't. Uh, or still, you know, Davao or any other organ, uh, you know, platform still not being used in rural areas. Okay. Right. Uh, question from Andreas. How does the differences in trade policies between Mexico and China affect the local producers' strategic choices for using ICT? Uh, can you say, read again, uh, uh, the trade policies between uh, yeah. Mexico and... Yeah, how, how does the differences in trade policies between Mexico and China affect the local producers' strategic choices for using ICT? Well, that's important. It's a very good question. Because um, I'm glad that we we had this. Uh, you, we raised this question. We the, I studied the policies um, that were basically used in in Mexico, um, and I think in in Mexico there was pretty much freedom in terms of um, there's regulations that are not too as uh, strong. I mean there are uh, pretty much. Less is fair. Leave it. Leave it. Do it. Do it if you want. Do it if you have uh, money. There's not a regulatory approach in Mexico, whereas in China, as far as I understand, there's a state regulating pretty much um, the different sectors. I haven't done myself or study in depth uh, the regulation system in 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 China that and that allow me to have a confident that. Uh, the confidence that basically um, the government or the state is supporting the this you know uh, development of e-commerce in the whole China, but in Mexico there's no that policy, there's not that direction, there's not um, that strategy that push uh, that say okay let's go into that direction. I didn't find that in Mexico was more freedom. I mean, it's basically connections, long-term relationships, families, friends. Um, if you, uh, those people who have more land have have more re revenues, um, but also Mexico is divided. The north, close to America, there's a large organ uh, companies driving, which is the case where I guess artificial intelligence will go very quickly, and then. The country, as you approach the middle, which is Mexico City and the south, is more, um, you see more poverty. You see that there is not, a, you know, land is more, uh, slightly more fragmented. Um, so, but in terms of regulation, in terms of trading policy, I think is um, there is more, a, you know, there's a lot of freedom there. And whether this is trading between those two countries, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I can 
not tell you 100% I mean, about the trading policy between those two countries, but individually, that's what I, I observe, okay? Great, thanks. Question from Francesca. She's asked, what are the change management practices applied to the economical changes described? Can you, she's asked if you could talk about a bit more about this. Yeah, okay. Change. Um, when I say change management, I'm talking about the, the changes, basically, or the transformation that can be delivered, basically, by using the technology. In this case, in, in, uh, if we see in an organization, um, which uh, Francesca, the organization theory applies to ICT in any case. Um, when we look at the uh, managing changes, Basically, we expect that technology drive a change in the use or, or the managers expect that, uh, or at least there's a strategy, we expect that if we implement a system, things become more efficient and then those changes are expected, you know, um, perhaps reduce headcounts and, and, and so on. That is what is uh, expected when there's a transformation. Also, bear in mind that when you apply the uh, managing change, you have to use, uh, well, we use kind of the Levit uh, um, model where we have the organization, we have procedures, we have uh, people, and we have um, pretty much tasks. So all these, uh, you know, working together, you implement ICTs, and then there will be changes changes in the organization or the organizational speaking, changes in processes and procedures, um, the way that tasks are conducted, and those is in a small company, let's put it that way. When we transfer those to uh, a large, let's say, developing countries, what were you expecting? You are expecting basically um, farmers become more efficient, um, they will perhaps use uh, less resources, less, uh, less people, and technology will help to predict uh, somehow um, what are the necessary, uh, let's say, ingredients of what the uh, particular land is not using based on these expectations. Um, so all these elements are changes that we expect to see when we transfer one to the other one. The same because in reality, we're using the same theoretical approach. Um, if we look at a, at a farmer, you have um, the structure, you have the task which will be more efficient. You have the um, a, you know individuals that will be using those technologies, which will be trained somehow um, because it's needed to understand how we are going to use it. But is the how this uh, people are using in the end the technology. That is what is the change, basically, because we don't expect that, for example, WhatsApp will be used for trading, respect to text messages, but no, WhatsApp is used to, um, in some areas, to um, develop the business, basically. Uh, or um, Facebook, which was intended to have, you know, um, connecting people, uh, connecting communities is used to sell produce as well. So we people trying to find the ways to use the technology and, and then based on their own, uh, well, 
in an innovative manner. That's what I can say. Okay. Thank you. Great. One last question. This is from uh, Gollum. They've asked, what is the relevance between making jobs and e-commerce? How can we increase the jobs in this way? Making jobs and e-commerce. Okay. Um, it's a good question. Um, if you remember uh, um, when I did uh, a show um, the different, the ecosystem um, or the different, uh, how um, the actors were playing different roles. And then that is basically, you can shift from one role to the other one. You can be working or you basically, if you want to sell your produce, then you can uh, basically do that. Then if you want to, um, let's say, change to another, uh, you know, there's a disintermediation of the technology and reintermediation. When one role disappears, there will be another role that will be created. Perhaps you will be driving analytics. If you want to go, in the case of China, if you say, well, this is not for me to be a producer, but um, I am interested to be analytical, to be, uh, I'm interested in the analysis of the data and how this can be done better, then you can become an analyst or you can help to develop a, a, you know the web pages or do different things it's not you know the advantage of this ICT is when it's introduced you expect that there will be a complete disintermediation but then you will be you create new roles and that is what is important that policy helps because it does roles that needs to be created can be from those people who are basically um, not redundant, but the rules is no longer um, applicable, then you can train them to bring them again to the, uh, in the production system, okay? Great, thank you so much, Emilio, for a uh, fascinating talk, which uh, I hope everyone enjoyed, and thank you to the audience for joining and some uh, wonderful questions as well. Um, a question. <laughs> Uh, there are a lot more exciting events coming up this week at the festival, so do check out the uh, programme at lsc.ac.uk forward slash festival. The next LSC online skills session will be at the same time tomorrow, 12 till 1, uh, where Dr. Jonathan Cardoso Silva will explore how we should use AI in higher education. I'll also be chairing that one as well tomorrow. You can find out more about our LSC online courses via the link in the chat and on the slide. Uh, thank you for joining and see you all soon. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe to the LSE Events Podcast on your favourite podcast app and help other listeners discover us by leaving a review. Visit lse.ac.uk forward slash events to find out what's on next. We hope you join us at another LSE event soon.